Happy New Year, everyone. It's January 1st, 2021. Welcome to the first episode of the Ocean Decade Show, a new podcast dedicated to guiding you down the yellow brick road of this global initiative to transform the ocean. Uh, housed within the American Shoreline Podcast Network family. I'm really excited to be here. Um, my name is Taylor Gales, and I'll be your host and tour guide on our adventure through the ocean decade, because I think that's really what it takes to to understand this decade is you need almost a tour guide to bring you through all the uh, interesting places and the different stops and the fun people who are doing work on this. Uh, so today for this first episode, we're going to start big and broad and provide you with an overview of this ocean decade, explain a little bit about where it came from and what it's hoping to accomplish. Um, and so forgive us for our probably grand language that we're going to have. We're going to use big generalizations, think big, uh, but don't worry, we're going to get more into the specific of the nuts and bolts of the Ocean Decade in later episodes. But for today, to talk all things Ocean Decade in the broadest possible scale, I'm really excited to be joined by my good friend, Dr. Caitlin Lauder. Caitlin is a Canals Marine Policy Fellow in NOAA Research's Office of International Activities. So back when we were in the office, she was just a few cubes down. Um, where in part she supports work on the UN Decade of Ocean Science for Sustainable Development. Uh, Caitlin is a rock star and received her PhD from the Scripps Institute of Oceanography at UC San Diego. And she's done research focusing on how crustaceans respond to changing ocean conditions, including ocean acidification and warming. So I'm really excited, Caitlin, to talk today because I feel like you've been my international partner in crime on all things decade this year, you know, and that you're the natural scientist and my social scientist. So I think that we provide a really unique perspective and combination of voices for the decade. I agree. It's been amazing working this year together. And I think we've been a dream team on some couple of projects. <laughs> Hashtag ocean decade dream team. Yes. <laughs> so before we get into full decade, I want to I, I want to let our listeners know a little bit more about you. So a little bit more about yourself and why in, you picked Canals in the OARIA, the NOAA Research International Activities Office in particular, uh, and what work you do beyond decade. Just give us a, a broad picture of you. Ooh, totally. So I knew I wanted this experience to be a chance to get outside the lab and learn a little bit more about NOAA. So that was an opportunity for me to get into this NOAA research side. Um, we do so many amazing things, you know, from ocean exploration to hurricanes and weather. So that was amazing just to get that overview of all that different work. Mm -hmm. um, but the part about this office that I really like is getting to see like how these large scale global things come together. I got like small taste of that as a graduate student and getting to go to some of um, these climate conferences. But being in this office, you really get those those little tastes of, you know, how do these major documents get agreed upon within international partners? How do you actually go forward on that? activities that you're doing together. And so that was something that really drew me to the office and I've definitely mm -hmm. gotten out of this year. Yeah, even virtually, you've been signing documents with India and talking to Canada. And so, yeah, even beyond decade, you've been really involved in the whole international ocean policy community, I feel. It's amazing what can happen virtually. Late nights, <laughs> some early mornings on those phone calls, but uh, it's really fantastic to, to have the tools that we have today to still do this kind of work, even without the travel that we normally do. Yeah, that's been really fantastic about, I think, both of the work that you and I have done this year within our Canals Fellowships, but also more broadly with the decade that all this stuff has still been able to happen. And we haven't really, we definitely hit a pause, I think, uh, when COVID shut everything down near the beginning of the year, but that our, our planning has gone on pretty well, I would think. 
Yes. Um, all of the tools that we have today, like being able to, to work with one another on Google Drive, like here within NOAA, but also you know, with international partners, just emailing back and forth. Those small little things, which you know you don't think much about before something big like this happens. Those are amazing tools that we have to keep up the momentum, um, keep working with one another. And I think it's even grown more this year, the fact that we've mm-hmm. all become more accustomed to these virtual meetings and just picking up the the phone and calling one another rather than waiting for that opportunity when we're all together, you know, once or twice a year. It's really allowed for a lot of progress to go on. Yeah, that's it's something that even I think that when you you had mentioned you have been able to go to some climate conferences and when you were uh, with doing work with the Paris Agreement and getting to watch that happen. I don't think that could have happened even just a few years ago, you know, that the the level of um, progress that we've made and the ability to be flexible has been really essential with Ocean Decade work and, and international work more broadly this year. But um, I'd love to go back and uh, talk a little bit about, because it's just amazing that during grad school, you were able to be part of all of these big conferences and get to... Uh, see how the sausage gets made, you know, on an international level. So can you tell us a little bit more about what happened when you got to be at that Paris agreement process? Yes, that was wild. Coming in as a graduate student who really had no sense of, you know, how these things happen uh, in an international forum, they send a bunch of us or maybe around 10 or so of us to uh one of these climate conferences every year. And I was lucky enough to, to be in Paris um, when the Paris Agreement was getting worked out, as you mentioned. Um, crazy venue. There's just huge rooms and rooms, like negotiating halls for the delegates to really work these things out. There's like meditation rooms to take naps after those <laughs> late nights. Um, but a whole huge room of booths as well. And so that's an opportunity for like smaller groups to showcase, you know, their aspect of what they see feeding into these big climate talks. And so Scripps Institution of Oceanography and the Plymouth Marine Lab in the UK had one of the only ocean booths out of like hundreds of these that are wow. on. Wow. You know, the importance of the forests, uh, you know, gender equality, all these different topics. But we were there for the oceans. And that was because at that point, the word oceans hadn't been recognized in any of these uh, previous agreements on, and that's, on climate. That's crazy because climate agreements started in 1992, you know, in Rio, that that was the first big thing with the Earth Summit. And then still in, you know, 20 plus years later with Paris, they didn't have the word ocean in there. I know it is wild. So our, our job was really to, to grab delegates as they like wandered by our booth and talk to them. Like the ocean takes up so much heat, takes up so much carbon dioxide. Like you have to consider it. And so throughout that week, or the two weeks that it was going on, we would be tracking the text. Like, is the word oceans in there? Is it out? <laughs> it would be, get pulled in. It would get like typed out. There's all the, this drama going on with that throughout the week. So it's really interesting just to get to see, you know, how these, how these uh, words, these languages, in the, the texts are formed together. Um, and so it was the last day uh, we heard that the oceans was back in there. It's in the preamble. Um, so myself and my friends typed up like a little uh, a press response and printed it out and then snuck into the journalist areas and like gave them our little press releases. <laughs> to That's try to, awesome. Yeah, get up. Uh, uh, news about this going on. Clandestine uh, PR for the ocean at, at the Paris Agreement. I love it. <laughs> We're so excited. And so that was really, you know, a, a chance to see like the ocean finally getting its due on the center stage. And so seeing that grow and grow over the last couple of years has been amazing just to see the progress uh, from where we came just to get like 
in this agreement once. Because that's incredible because the Paris Agreement was 2015, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so five years later, we're on the precipice of an ocean decade, which is just incredible to me because, you know, you fought so hard to get the word ocean in there. And it's such an elephant in the room. You know, you would think that if people are talking about climate, they have to talk about oceans, but that's not been the case until recently. And I think that um, th- this ocean decade is use the word transformation a lot and trying to transform the ocean. And I think that even over the past few years in the preparation for it, we've already been transforming the the conversation around climate and around ocean and around the environment in general to make sure that that elephant in the room <laughs> is seen. Definitely. Sometimes I have to remind myself, like, am I just as a person learning more and more about these processes? And that's why it's seeming like it's building up. But I think yeah. it's actually that, you know, it has gained that that groundswell from all these different areas in the last couple of years and seeing that come together um, is truly impactful. Yeah, seriously, because uh, like, you know, that the the whole idea behind the ocean decade was kind of related to the sustainable development goals, the SDGs that the UN came up with that were launched in, in 2015 around the same time as the, the Paris Agreement. But these 17 goals build on decades of work since that 1992 Earth Summit in Rio. Um, but of these 17 goals, one in particular, SDG 14, is life underwater. And that is, I think, has been kind of the, the start of the idea of the ocean decade was the realization that we are supposed to have a whole sustainable development goal about life underwater and about focusing on the ocean. But in 2016, 2017, just a couple of years after these goals were launched, I think there was kind of a worldwide realization that we haven't done enough. There hasn't been enough focus that, you know, globally, if you look at how much uh, conservation dollars are spent on the ocean, it pales in comparison to on-land issues. Um, And so I think that the ocean decade is really a strong push by the international community to make sure that that SDG, that Sustainable Development Goal, isn't left behind and that, you know, the ocean, which takes up so much of our earth, isn't left behind, you know? Exactly. And I love to see that this this decade effort is building on top of SDG 14. You know, that has certain targets that have been set out to reach, but what's neat about seeing the decade come together is it's even beyond that, like it's contributing mm-hmm. to SDG 14 in ways that weren't seemed to be initially envisioned. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating too. You and I have been able to do this a bit this year, taking some of the other SDGs and showing how they align with the ocean decade too, so that trying to make people understand, because I think the sustainable development goals for people who do international work or any sort of big environmental work know what those are and so might be working towards those goals. But when they see the ocean decade, they might think that it's completely separate. But trying to make sure that uh, as we're trying to bring in new partners with the decade, that old partners to understand that their work directly connects. So if you're doing work for the decade, you're automatically doing work to help these goals and vice versa. Oh my goodness. Yes. And there's, there's so many of those that are impactful and have those tie-ins. And so thinking about now how we're bringing things together and actions for the decade, uh, thinking about those ties has been really 
impactful for me actually the last couple of days while while putting some of these ideas uh, mm-hmm. into a proposal. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm so glad that we can. Yeah, we're we're helpful we're in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in future episodes, we're going to go into more detail about the specific goals and challenges of the ocean decade. But this episode, I really wanted to, in this introduction, you know, emphasize the grandiose nature of what this decade is trying to do. That I remember when I was coming on to my fellowship and trying to research what this ocean decade was because I was going to be focusing on it. It took, I, I couldn't grasp the the nature of this and the giantness of it um, and that the idea that the decade is trying to provide this common framework that will be an umbrella for all sorts of innovative ideas. I haven't seen science or policy work done like this before. Have you, Caitlin? This is totally different, I think. Yeah, that's the sense I get as well. You know, being a little bit new to this, this policy field, still learning a lot about it. But um, it's clear that the decade is bringing together these linkages that we haven't seen before. Just, you know, thinking about the um, the initial excitement as all of this builds into global efforts, bringing together some of these smaller regional projects. Um, it's clear that, you know, this, this isn't something that um, has been going on in the community. So this is a wonderful opportunity to, to make more progress for the, the ocean uh, we want. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the UN's come up with these very catchy taglines uh, about, you know, creating and transforming the ocean we have into the ocean we want and the science we need for the ocean we want. Um, so it's all it's almost like a, <laughs> a, a visioning board exercise of trying to figure out what it is what is the ocean that we want? What does that look like? And I think um, something that I've noticed in doing this work is at the very beginning when, you know, the ocean decade was declared in 2017 and they've been doing this prep work since then, it seemed to be at first a lot about the science, you know, like what are the technical tools or what data do we need? But it seems like it's so much more than that now. Have you seen that too, like the, the especially the addition of some of the new challenges and goals and just the way that they're speaking about the decade now. See, it's more about it's more than the science. It for sure is. And I think that's reflected in a series of virtual sessions that the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission has been hosting over the past couple of months. Those are available oh, yeah. on YouTube, but they're, they're co-designed sessions. So rather than bringing on these ocean experts to talk about, you know, my project at XYZ, like I got to measure like this ocean parameter, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> they're <laughs> encouraged to talk about how they actually built that with stakeholders. How did they, you know, bring together the fishermen along the coast that need this information? Um, how how are they working with um, just people in the community to learn like what inspires them about the ocean? Like what questions can they answer for them? It's really been an opportunity to think about how do we go beyond just, you know, going out on a ship or taking a sample of water and thinking about this science, modeling that. What is that that broader impact that it can have and how can it then contribute to those sustainable development goals and bring all this great science into our entire lives? Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think that's so essential, too, in transforming the idea in the ocean science community in particular, that what they do is more than science. And that I think what the great thing about the decade is that it's going to provide this common framework and this common set of language, language and this common expectation for this is how you need to think about science, that we're we need to think about science and law and policy and fishing and, you know, all the ocean industries as a way of 
working towards sustainable development, towards climate goals, towards all that stuff, that everything's more interconnected now than ever. Exactly. You know, here in the U.S., a lot of researchers get their funding from the National Science Foundation and have to speak Mm -hmm. to the broader impacts of of their work. But I think this decade goes beyond that. When you're working on the international sphere and you have, you know, the sense of what capacity development is needed in some of these countries that don't have the equipment to do just the basic ocean science that we take for granted or, you know, areas um, where we can help better support that and build it into a more regional or global effort. I think that is a really unique part of the decade. And so bringing it not just on the U.S. scale, but to this global scale gives that broader perspective on how to how to make it bigger and greater for everyone. Yeah, see, I, I promised you all pretty grandiose language. And that's in and, and Caitlin and I geek out about this, too, because we're just we've both seen the great work that's happened this year and we get so excited about it. Um, so I hope that you can sense our excitement about it, too, um, especially I love thinking about this decade in comparison to the last ocean focused decade that the U.N. did in the 70s that um, was focused a lot on ocean exploitation. So the way if you read what that text looks like, it's talking about, you know, how humans can use the ocean best and how we can, you know, kind of master the ocean and figure out a way to make it work for us. Um, But this decade is completely opposite of that. (laughs) You know, I think that it's about how to live better with the ocean and have a recognition that no matter where you live and no matter what stage of life you're at, the ocean impacts you on a daily basis. Exactly. Um, I think the the neat part about this decade is is seeing that excitement spread and seeing it grow. Um, there have been many other decades and there's a couple ongoing right now. I know you've uh, looked into these too as well, mm-hmm. Taylor. But the neat part about the decade is that it only grows with this, that grandiose sense, right? You mm-hmm. have to get everyone excited. There's no like top down driving force if you have to do this. It's really that that swell of, of excitement about it that's making it the fantastic thing that it's already growing into. Yeah. Our, um, our common boss, uh, Craig McLean, who's the AA of NOAA research, but also uh, on the executive planning group for the IOC, the Intergovernmental uh, Oceanographic Commission, uh, likes to say that the decade is a potluck. You know, it's what people bring to it. And I think that that's such an interesting image, um, you know, because the UN could declare this decade, but then have an empty table, you know, if no one shows up and no one uh, brings their dishes. Uh, and so I'm really, I love that image. And I've when we've been working on this this year, I keep seeing more and more dishes being brought to the table, uh, I think, and all different, all different sorts of dishes, which has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's that, you know, that classic, like turkey coming to the table, but there's also <laughs> those really unique sides that you haven't tried before. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of great dishes. <laughs> yeah, we gotta be, yeah, we have to, maybe potluck isn't the best COVID <laughs> Save thought for food, but yeah, maybe we'll prepackage different dishes for everybody, and we'll and we'll make it work. Um, <laughs> but so, uh, I want to get back to a little bit more about what you and I, some of the work that we've been doing this year, and how we've watched the decade grow and develop with international partners and on the international scale. So, what key steps, Caitlin, have taken place this year for the decade on an international level? Um, what are what's the progress that's been made from the UN? 
Uh, there's a lot. So the decade was proclaimed a couple of years ago and they immediately rolled into um, global sessions and regional sessions where they brought together a lot of the subject matter experts into the same room to talk about, you know, what they see for these different societal outcomes of the decade, what they wanted to roll in there. Um, and so the- were these were, And these were done on a regional basis, right? Mm-hmm. For different ocean basins to make sure that they had that perspective, correct? Exactly. So there's one for the, the North Atlantic. There's one for the Western Tropical Atlantic, the Pacific, all around the, the globe. Taylor, I believe you were at one earlier this year in February, correct? I came on just after the one <laughs> in Italy that they had one in, yeah, somewhere, oh, Venice. They had one in Venice right before I started. And so uh, it was <laughs> in part of my research, in part of my research when I was learning about the decade, I was realizing like, oh, I just missed out on that. Oh, but I did go, oh yeah, at Ocean Sciences, the mm. very last conference. Oh goodness. Yeah. That seems like a different life. <laughs> the very na- last in-person conference that took place in 2020 Ocean Sciences, they had uh, the regional planning meeting for the Southern Ocean. So for the Antarctic area, because they realized that they weren't going to have it in Antarctica. And so they had it at this big <laughs> ocean science meeting. Um, and yeah, that was me coming in a week into, I think, the fellowship and having no idea what was going on, but sitting and learning and listening. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a learning experience for all of us those first couple of weeks. But so the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission is you know, working on this decade organization has really taken the feedback from these regional sessions and built it into a huge document. It's called um, the Implementation Plan for the Decade. And so this is something that I've got to see a sneak peek of. Um, there's been a couple of versions that a have come A couple sneak peeks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it's around like 60 pages or so, but it lays out, you know, what is the decade? Why do we need it? All the things that we've talked about already, but also a little bit about, you know, the governance. How will countries work together? How do you actually organize something global like this? Um, And so that's been interesting to see the reaction to uh, getting to see these sneak peeks of the different versions and coordinating the U.S. government response to them. We've been able to get feedback from a lot of different U.S. agencies and say, you know, I think we could improve this part or uh, maybe need a little bit more detail here. It's not clear. Um, But through that process, we've also seen some of these like cornerstones of what's come out of it, like Mm -hmm. the the seventh societal outcome um, addition of these 10 challenges, like these uh, prime things that scientists want to tackle in the next 10 years um, are laid out in these initial 10 challenges. And that wasn't in the, the first couple of versions. So these are yeah. really emerging from that, that collaborative process of everyone who's gotten to respond to the different versions. And so since then, you know, this implementation has been uh, more or less finalized. And all of us have been working off of it the last couple of months, but it's in front of the UN General Assembly. Um, in December. And so we are hearing some early whispers about it getting <laughs> approved. And I'm sure Ooh. by the time this podcast comes out, we'll early have some. whispers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's all you can expect, I think, from the UN General Assembly at certain points, you know, whispers. <laughs> but yeah, that seventh societal outcome, which uh, is an inspiring and engaging ocean. And I could spend, I could do a whole podcast just on that theme because it's so fascinating and I think it kind of demonstrates the the evolution that this decade has taken over the past few years you know because the first 
goals that were created, you know, a clean ocean, a healthy ocean, like really practical things, you know, talking about marine debris cleanup and ecosystem restoration, but inspiring and engaging ocean. When we give presentations on it, we use an image from Moana, uh, the Disney film, because that's what I think encapsulates that level of awe and connectedness of the ocean that is not an image that I think would have fit the decade even two, three years ago. Yes. I love seeing our assistant administrator, Craig McLean, going through his uh, <laughs> typical slides for the decade and then Moana popping up and he's really into it. It matches it so oh, yeah. <laughs> The first time that that popped up, the first time that we gave him a, a pre-brief for a presentation and that popped up, I just saw the biggest smile pop on his face. And so it's, it's, it's showing that that film and the idea of an inspiring and engaging ocean does that to people that, you know, everyone has an ocean memory, even if they've never been to the ocean. And so really drawing in on that and creating a more ocean literate people, that's, that's not what this decade was about when it was launched, but it's what it is now. And it couldn't be, they just, uh, the other day, the IOC released, uh, an ocean literacy plan and a more, uh, involved website to help create a more ocean literate globe. And so that's not something that I think would have been a part of it if we had been doing this work a few years ago. No, I, I totally agree. We've seen um, some of these transformational ways of thinking about the ocean just in the last couple of years. And that's really been reflected in this work. Um, I would also say, you know, getting people involved around the the globe, the implementation plan lays out some ways of building like a stakeholder forum yeah. to actually connect people, like those small things that are incredibly important to make the decade successful and haven't really been done by any other venue because it's just so hard to connect a scientist from, you know, like Nigeria with a scientist from the Arctic, right? Like those yeah. natural connections don't happen, but the decade has laid out a way to, to do that. And based on what we've seen the last couple of months, they, they deliver. The IOC makes these um, spaces for people to talk and get their, their voices heard and build these connections. And that's one of the reasons the decade will be successful. Oh, that's so that's so hopeful. Yeah. Can you because um, I've been tangentially involved and know a little bit about these stakeholder forums. But could you go into a little bit more detail about what the UN is trying to do with with those for this ocean decade? Yeah, so they've they've given um, people a space to, to talk about their their priorities. So what do they see, you know, on the individual scientist level, on their program level, on their country level, what are their needs for the decade? Um, you know, what sort of challenges they have. One thing about the decade is it doesn't come with any additional funding, like per se, yes. you not just, you know, apply for a grant and get that money, but um, bringing together all these people of different capacities throughout the globe means that there will likely be some support for uh, these projects that otherwise wouldn't have gotten it. Mm -hmm. And for some projects and countries, getting the stamp of endorsement of the, the UN decade, which is what the um, IOC is working on right now, yeah. means that they will have that, that validation uh, that they can show their their own leaders that this is important, right? See, like the UN is recognizing the work that I'm doing as necessary for this, this global effort and then get um, more resources through that. So that's yeah. one of the ways um, people can build up into, you know, these, these sort of grander actions that wouldn't otherwise be possible with the decade as well. Yeah. What a great thing to, you know, if you're writing broader impacts for your grant or for your, um, you know, your nonprofit and you're saying, yeah, we have the UN stamp of approval, 
that we're doing work that is contributing to transforming the ocean into a better place. Like how can you, you can't beat that? <laughs> <laughs> I will say it, it does help when your your country um enjoys the benefits of the, the UN. True. <laughs> that might be a future episode for for you. <laughs> that will be interesting. Yeah. The um the idea the, yeah this episode uh is airing on New Year's Day, so the very first day of the ocean decade, which is uh, really exciting. And so who knows what an episode a year from today will sound like and look like that. I think that's we're in a really interesting time with uh, coming out of COVID and wanting to the, the decade has been using that language, too, of how to use it to respond to COVID and make a more sustainable and just ocean community. But as you know, the international landscape is changing, how the US interacts interacts with the international landscape is changing. Um, so we're just at the start of this. It's incredible. We haven't even started it yet when Caitlin and I are recording this now. But the idea that this is a decade of effort. And so what we're trying to create something that will last for 10 years and beyond, but knowing that new ideas and new players and new priorities will come up along the way. And that's okay. Um, that's part of what this decade is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. They've really allowed this, this iterative process to go on. So throughout the decade, uh, they've, the IOC has standardized these periodic check-ins on, you know, how, how are things moving along? How are the, the decade actions that we endorse uh, progressing how do we, or what do we need to do to reassess the challenges that we've laid out? Are there additional ones? Are there some that, you know, perhaps we can actually like check off and say, yes, like we've really made great contributions. How satisfying would that be? Yeah. To give a big old, <laughs> big old Sharpie check mark to, to one of the challenges. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's neat thinking about, yes, that opportunity of the next 10 years, just seeing what has occurred in the last couple of months, um, all the progress, all of the the excitement that I've been seeing build up in this international sphere and how that will get carried out into to 10 years of, of action and progress for our oceans and our society. Yeah, that's, it's so true. And I think that getting to work with partners and getting to see this decade play out in lots of different ways has been one of the most exciting parts for me. Um, and I know that you were recently, you've been very involved all year with planning for this All-Atlantic Research Forum. And so I know they talked about the decade a little bit there and with these youth representatives. So can you talk a little bit about what that kind of international involvement looks like and how, how these existing larger regional efforts are going to feed in to the decade? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, so as you mentioned earlier, Taylor, I don't only work on the, the UN decade in my office, but I have a couple other portfolio items, including um, this work on the All Atlantic and particularly with our partners in the North Atlantic, uh, Canada and the EU. So going out the first couple months of my fellowship, these are like really well-defined areas, right? Like working with Canada and the EU on uh, North Atlantic research, ocean mapping, marine microbiomes, all of that good stuff. But then, you know, more and more and more into our conversations we have among our leadership team. There's talk of the decade coming into that. So we've been able to share like what are what we as the U.S. are doing, um, you know, getting together our, our national committee, how that's formed, um, 
and they've been able to share, you know, where they're at in the process. So rather than having our typical conversations about like, what are we going to do together? Like figuring out our priorities that we can both like put on a piece of paper and be happy. It's been a really neat, more informal process of just talking about, you know, where are you at in the decade? Like, how's your preparation going? <laughs> yeah. And checking in that way. And so the last couple of months, it has really built into um, that dialogue. And it's neat to see, you know, what our partners across the Atlantic and what our um, partners to the north are are getting going and what can we take from that as well? Are there places that we can follow their lead and and fill in this space um, with working on a, a, you know, a center perhaps for the North Atlantic to more codify some of the work that's going on? Oh, wow. What information can we provide to them about our national committee, like how um, they're bringing in different voices and and helping gather up momentum for the decade. So just having those more informal conversations has been really neat to see and emphasizes that you know, the decade is something that's permeated. For a while, for me, it was just, you know, working in the, the U.S. and hearing about all the great things we're doing, but now it is trickling into just our office naturally about these other uh, great actions that are going on. That's That's so fantastic to hear and to know that, you know, the work that from the IOC down have been doing on this decade is making an impact and just getting the conversation started. You know, I see it as like a a game of telephone where everyone is talking about it in different ways. And we're trying to create the, one of the great things about this podcast is that we can create a kind of common message and help people understand, you know, so that game of international telephone can easily get distorted. And so trying to give people a clear idea of this is what this decade is. This is what we want to do. Um, and something I think that you outlined really well in in the last your last statement was that it doesn't have to be all new things. You know, you can use existing venues and partnerships and people to do work in the decade that you can leverage those connections and leverage this international focus on the ocean to get done amazing things that have been on your checklist on your to-do list. You know, it's not uh, little stuff. It's trying to think big and think broad and using kind of all your creative scientific and policy and law juices to, to bring that to fruition over the course of this 10 years. Exactly. And going beyond that, you know, we do have some great like international initiatives already, like these, um, mooring arrays that are across all these different oceans that are getting information on, um, you know, that we can use for, for weather prediction or learning more about the, the ocean carbonate chemistry system. But, um, while these are ginormous things that have been established over decades, we can even use those for the decade because um, there's that next step of figuring out, you know, now that we've got the science down, what does this mean for society? Like, how can we yeah. build products that others will be able to use more effectively um, for their own needs? So I think that's a great way to start off the decade is doing a stock taking of what we already have in our oceans, what we've accomplished um, to date, and then thinking about that next step science for sustainable development. Um, so that's something we're talking about in the North Atlantic with our partners, you know, all of the, the work that we've been doing um, since the statement was signed that brought us together to do uh, collaborative Atlantic Ocean research. And then now that we've accomplished so many things, going to that, that next step and really thinking about contributing to the decade in that way. Yeah, that's, F fantastic. And that's what it's all about is um, 
being able to have this global framework and this global recognition that this is important. And so let's figure out a way to do it together uh, because we can't do it apart. And so the capacity development and uh, really going at this starting from the starting line together as much as we can, that I think that's been a big focus uh, talking about, you know, equity and inclusion and trying to make sure that this decade doesn't repeat issues of the past. And actually the, you know, the limitations, the travel limitations of COVID have, have helped a bit with that, I think, because these global meetings are made open, you know, like the re- there's been two regional planning meetings that we had discussed earlier um, that happened this year, both virtually because of COVID restrictions. And so it allowed so many more people to come and hear and learn and contribute than could have afforded, you know, to fly to, to Norway or to <laughs> or Central America or wherever the locations were. Um, do you think you see, I see that definitely staying a big part of the decade going forward? I really hope so, because I do think that has been incredibly impactful, not only to think about, you know, someone's carbon footprint uh, with yes. all the travel <laughs> that was contributing um, to this, this previous work. But as you've mentioned, it's that that opportunity to bring in new voices. Um, you know, sometimes it may be hard to get money leverage to fly in a, an early career ocean professional all the way across the ocean to another conference where otherwise you could, you know, drag in a project leader that... Um, could speak to, you know, the decade topics as well. So having the, the options that we do with the, the video calls um, and bringing in speakers remotely has been wonderful. Having live translators, like I know the UN has always focused on that, but in a, the virtual session that we have, um, we had a session last week that I helped organize one of those regional sessions oh, wow. we talked about for the North Atlantic where there's a French translator. So uh, doing the, it live. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Just switch so on to like another channel on Zoom. And <laughs> that's terrifying and awesome at the same time. Like how stressful must that person's job be? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. So she all the specific ocean words we use. Oh yeah. <laughs> True. All the, makes you think about the jargon that you use. <laughs> especially when you try to translate it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, exactly. Um, that all Atlantic ocean research forum that you talked about, what was really inspiring to me is they did have, uh, you know, aspects of the decade woven in, but they were able to bring in a student from South Africa who's, um, in his equivalent of high school right now, but he's had the opportunity to study phytoplankton is really excited about it. So he got to present his work to an audience of over 700 on this webinar. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Amazing opportunities to, to give um, people a platform that otherwise wouldn't have it in some of these more traditional spheres. Just thinking about my experience at the UN climate conferences a couple of years ago, that there were very few scientists there to begin with and even fewer um, graduate student scientists. Yeah. So that's a very privileged place to be in, to have your, your voice heard in an arena like that. But the, the new way we've had of doing business is a chance to, to bring in more of that. Um, and I know you and I, Taylor, have been working on planning a couple of um, events this year, including a, a panel at a conference. And we had people, I think, from five time zones. <laughs> I think it was about five. Yeah. From Hawaii all the way to, to Paris. Um, and while it didn't help my internal clock and in trying to figure out, <laughs> trying to back calculate what time zone someone's in, how incredible is it's given us a lot of freedom this year to think about 
who's the best speaker to speak about this topic? Doesn't matter their age, their geographic location, as long as they have a semi-stable internet connection or an ability to call in, they can be included. And that, I think, especially the early career ocean professionals that you that you referenced, that I'm going to have a whole show on that later. I'm very excited about that. But those of us who are really involved and younger in our careers in the decade to start will remember this and will make sure, I think, that it stays a part of the decade if other people you know, want to go back to old ways of business that will will be there to to poke and prod and remind them, hey, this is a great way to kind of practice what you preach and start this transformation and not just go back to the same way that things have been happening. Exactly. And I think that speaks to some aspects of the implementation plan, going back to that, where they reference yeah. you know, just how important it is to have the the gender balance, the geography balance. One of these regional sessions, in addition to being, um, you know, on the North Atlantic, on the Western Tropical Atlantic, on coast of Africa, they had one on gender diversity in the, the decade as well um, and how that plays in. So these conversations that they're having are really important to, to think about um, as we go forward into the decade and making sure that the work that is being done is representative of, of the globe and who should be doing this work. And who needs to be at the table, you mm-hmm. know, from, from the start. And I think that that's a really interesting question to think about on this precipice of the decade is who is involved now? And then who do we still need to get involved? You know, that both of us have done work this year with lots of partners and uh, especially in some of the domestic stuff I've done, trying to think about, you know, who who are these different other partners that are doing work that connects to the ocean, but that they don't realize that they should be partners yet. Um, so kind of bringing in that creative edge, because if you're looking to transform the ocean, you can't do it with the same old partners, the same old science, the same old way that we've been doing it for the past, you know, however many years. Exactly. I'm going to talk you up, Taylor. You've been <laughs> fantastic <laughs> at getting those networks going, just seeing what you've accomplished um, during this year in terms of not only engaging partners across the federal agency, but working with the early career ocean professionals, working with the, the youth groups. Um, you have been a major component in making sure that these voices are being heard during the decade. And I think that is going to have the lasting impact over the next 10 years, work that you've done to, to get this going. Um, so applause to you. <laughs> Good thing that this is just audio so that you can't see me blushing. Um, but no. thank you. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been so fascinating to kind of flex my creative m- muscle a little bit this year and ask the question, well, why not? You know, why can't these people be involved? Why shouldn't they be heard? Um, and so that's something that I think, uh, people both love me for it. I've been a bit of like a thorn in their side of trying to get them to think beyond and take the the word transformation seriously, that it, that's a big word. You know, I, I think about all the time that, you know, we use the word awesome all the time. And it used to be this word that people used to describe something that was so full of awe and that it's lost that kind of idea. And so I don't want the same thing to happen with the word transformation. Uh, that I don't want it to become just a word that people use with a decade and it loses that sense of grandiose. I love that. And I think you really have inspired that transformational 
nature this year and the decade is doing that as well. Um, And it's because of people like you that are working on it, that are making sure that happens. Um, So it's very important to not only think about these, these broader things, the implementation plan, the IOC, but the people on the ground like yourself that are you know, driving that forward. As we've talked about the decade is the dish that you bring to it. And you're one of those chefs that's been in the kitchen, like whipping up things left and right. And, and oh, bringing in the two chefs. <laughs> See, this is why we should always podcast with our friends because they'll say wonderful things about us. It's so great. Um, so keeping in mind that this episodes airing on the first day of the decade. It's really exciting. So we've talked about some of the planning period and what has been happening. What's going to happen in 2021? So what are the things that, what are the big things happening next year for the decade on this international scale that that's going to kick us off? So many exciting things on the international scale. Of course, there is the launch of the decade. So there is initially going to be quite a large event planned for for Berlin um, this summer. Uh, But of course, with the pandemic, as it's been the key player in all of this, um, has thrown a little bit of a wrench into that. Also, yeah, the lovely coastal city of Berlin, Germany, too. It's (laughs) it's showing that, yeah, the decade can happen anywhere, not just in... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in coastal towns <laughs> exactly they're bringing it everywhere <laughs> um so barring that large event happening there will of course still be celebrations and that that virtual environment that we've talked about you know which does allow for um additional engagement as well um but some of the neat things we're going to be seeing this year are the first endorsed decade actions coming out so there's Ooh, a lot of yeah yeah a lot of players behind the scenes right now that are working on getting those proposals forward for submission um that's what i referenced earlier that i've been working on and helping write this week um, so these are the programs the big level things that are going to be kind of the the backbone of the decade to start correct Exactly. They should speak to those, those decade challenges, you know, those key things that the decade should achieve as well as the outcomes that we've talked about. Um, and so a lot of them are that, that work that's been ongoing, but in a, like transformed into a way that speaks to sustainable development. Um, so those are being put forward, you know, as we speak, um, but we expect to see the, the IOC recognizing those this year as these first things that are coming out that big framework. And then in the future, you know, when you think about the smaller decade actions, smaller being, you know, just in comparison to the range to anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but something that's not a global initiative, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Still very large things and very impactful things. This can sort of fit under the umbrella of some of these larger programs. So people can get inspired by seeing, you know, what are some of these big players that already have, you know, something ongoing. How can we see ourselves fitting into that work? You know, how can we get involved from the other side of the globe um, when they see these endorsements coming out? So I think those are, you know, we're kicking off strong um, and you'll start to see the impacts of that through this year already, which is really neat to think about. Yeah. I love when I try to think about the programs, I think about them in terms of, you know, markers of where we want to be. So, you know, like mapping the entire ocean that I I didn't, I don't think I realized before this year that we didn't have a map of the entire ocean because that just seems like something we should have, Um, you know, in a global tsunami warning system. So these are these markers, these things we want to accomplish. And then this global community can then figure out, okay, what are the steps we need to get there? What are all the different puzzle pieces we need 
to make this a reality? What is the science? What is the technical capability? How does industry need to play in? What is the stakeholder involvement we need? Um, how do we get capacity up in order to make this a possibility? Um, so do you, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good idea of what those programs are going to hopefully be for the decade is these these markers. Exactly. The one that, that speaks to me is, you know, furthering our understanding of multiple stressors on ocean ecosystems coming from an oceanification background that I've been in. Yeah. This is one of those challenges that, you know, we'll, we'll set the, the stage. And as you've talked about, these programs have lots of different components. So we could think about, you know, what uh, carbonate chemistry monitoring um, we need to build into our global oceans, what air, sea, dynamics do we need to better understand what about our, our ocean life do we need to to figure out more and what sort of experiments do we need and then thinking about downstream effects with fisheries and ecosystem management that's just one small taste of like what a program might look like in order to actually accomplish some of the challenges that the the decade has laid out and forth in front of all of us yeah. See, this is why it's great to have a natural scientist on here with me because, yeah, that is something that I, I could think about in the big terms. But then that it's just an example of why this decade needs everyone because I can tell you all about you know the uh, human dimensions aspects of things and how to bring people together, but uh, you need everybody and more than just scientists. That that's what I love too about the early career ocean professionals group is that they use the word professional to not be exclusive of anyone, to try to be inclusive of everything. And I think that's something that I really want people to who hear this episode to go away thinking that if you care about the ocean, you are a stakeholder in the ocean decade, that we want your inclusion, your involvement, your voice, that it you have something unique to say and a unique contribution that will make a difference. And we're going to help you figure out a way to do that, that it's it's a big system. It's a big idea. It's a big global initiative, but that bottom up ideas are are welcome and are desperately needed in in some cases. Mm -hmm. Exactly. If you're a listener and you just like standing on the cliff and looking out on the ocean, the decades for you. If yes. you like going along the beach and picking up trash, like there's a challenge for that, <laughs> and you can contribute to it and just the everyday actions that that you do. There's as you said, Taylor, so many ways to get engaged, so many different levels, and all of that is valued in this, this global effort. What I've seen from you know, working on uh, climate change aspects is that small actions matter, and they build up into something bigger. And, and all these global fora, you know, the, the politicians can talk um, and create these agreements, which are overarching. They tend not to be binding, right? Yeah. So where the things actually happen is is on the city level. I've seen that at these climate conferences, showcasing just, you know, what one city has chosen to do to contribute. And so I think going into the decade, thinking of that same framework, even though we're talking about these, these large programs, the work actually gets done at a really small scale. And so everyone listening has that opportunity to, to contribute to the decade, even in a way that doesn't feel perhaps, you know, like the, the biggest impact ever that adds up. And that's what I think is going to be really cool about the way that the decade is, is acknowledging work is that they have these big programs, but then they're going to, to nest all these other actions and activities and things underneath it so that you can see this work that I'm doing is working towards this bigger ideal. 
And this is how it's uniquely contributing. And I love the idea. I'm hoping in future episodes to be able to feature people who are doing work on one of the specific outcomes or one of the specific challenges to show examples of this is what this kind of work looks like. And this is why it's important. And this is how it's contributing to the decade, because it's that really concreteness that we have to do at this level we're at. You know, the UN is very good at these grandiose things that we've been speaking in this whole time. But to get action moving forward, people need to understand examples. They need guidance that you can't just expect people to to jump into this and know how it works in the first year of a 10-year initiative. You know, we have 10 years to to make this work. And that's what's really exciting about it for me. Mm -hmm. I am thrilled to see where this goes over the next decade. And as you and I think about, you know, our next steps, (laughs) I hope we are both in that, that place to, to be involved in, you know, these, these global efforts, but I know both of us will still be part of the decade through these ways that we've talked about and making an impact. And I'm excited to see who else comes along for, for that journey. I know. Yeah. We just, we got an email the other day from one of our other, uh, Knaus fellows, uh, Hannah Chance. I'll have to tell her that <laughs> we're mentioning her in the podcast, but that she's doing great work on international fisheries initiatives and trying to connect the decade to that. And so people are popping out of the woodwork in this network that we've built domestically and internationally amongst not just early career ocean professionals, but other people is, is spreading. And so people are going to come out of the woodworks and we're going to we're going to make this work and we're going to bring as many dishes as we can and we're going to transform the ocean. Um, I have no doubt about that. What the transformation is going to look like, I, I don't know yet. Um, but I know, I know we're going to transform something because you can't have this much global attention uh, and have nothing happen. That w- The global community isn't going to let that happen. Agreed. I think the the key parts of this this year has been getting that that momentum that it's like a wave, right? Like it gets to that certain point where it starts to crest and start to starts to break. And at that point, it's happening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it will yeah. keep rushing up the beach no matter what. <laughs> yep, it's the top of the roller coaster when you're like, "Oh dear, did I strap myself in for this ride?" Yes, and it's gonna be great, and you're gonna love it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, well, I've just had the best time chatting with you and work and just kind of pontificating on where this decade started and where it's going. And uh, I can't believe that we're at the start of this now, you know, that we're we're going into 2021. We're here in 2021. And, uh, you know, the the year, <laughs> the crazy year 2020 is behind us. And that despite all the difficulties that we've arrived at this ocean decade pretty well prepared. I think that this, uh, we've had all the meetings we've had to have, that the implementation plan is set, that countries are getting prepared, that uh, regions are getting prepared, that people uh, down boots on the ground are getting prepared, um, that we're ready. I think, Caitlin, do you think we're ready? (laughs) I think we're so ready. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm just, yeah, so excited to see where this decade goes and to feature all of the great things that happen on this podcast, on the Ocean Decade Show, uh, to really highlight the great work that's been happening and to serve as a way to let more people know about the decade. I agree. 
I will say I'm excited to continue <laughs> listening to the upper, other episodes as well. Um, and, you know, getting that sense from the experts that you're going to have on about the early career ocean professionals, about the different outcomes, the different challenges. So I know we've covered like a ton here today and just little pieces. Um, but I think you're going to dig into that so much more in the, in the future. Yeah, I'm excited to, I love speaking in these kind of big, grandiose things, but providing people details with what things look like, I think will be a really fun challenge over this year. And all the different players that I want to build this beautiful picture of what the decade looks like as I as I act as a tour guide and lead people down this yellow brick road and help them understand all the different pieces uh, and, and how they can contribute. So... Thank you so much, Caitlin, for being a part of the start of it and uh, helping me launch this podcast and bring your expertise, not only as a PhD, but also as a fantastic policy wonk. Now you've spent a year doing policy, whatever you do next, you're going to be a policy wonk forever. So you're stuck with us. <laughs> what a title. I'm going to slap that on my resume, Taylor. <laughs> I use that in all my cover letters. I say, I say I'm a marine <laughs> social scientist and policy wonk. So... <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me here today. And again, I'm really excited to, to hear the future episodes as well. Fantastic. For uh, all of us at the American Shoreline Podcast Network and the Ocean Decade Show, this is Taylor Gills and Dr. Caitlin Louder signing off. Thank you. Thank you.